Hi, it's Dom here, pastor at Assemble Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you find what you're looking for today and that you are challenged, inspired, and equipped to live out the life that God has for you. Enjoy the message today. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that, uh, that we can come here every morning, uh, every Sunday morning, uh, to open uh, your Bible together, to open the Bible, to read from its pages. Uh, we thank you that this text, this, this word is alive. Uh, and we ask, Lord, this morning that your Holy Spirit will be the one that ministers to us, that your spirit of truth will be the one that shows us uh, the wisdom in this, in this, in this text, uh, that we would all individually hear from you this morning. Uh, in, the, in the name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen. Amen. Great stuff. Great stuff. So we're in John uh, 17. Uh, John 17, uh, it comes directly after John, uh, John 16, uh, as we'll know. <laughs> That's numbers. And, uh, and in John 16, uh, which we studied last week, we opened, uh, we opened John 16 last week. And we saw, did we not, that Jesus was teaching us. Yeah? He was teaching us. And if you recall, uh, or perhaps if you've, uh, if you've watched the podcast, we'll know that Jesus was teaching us and, and helping us to shift our focus, wasn't he? That's the, that's the phrase that we kept, uh, that we kept coming back back to last week in Jesus shifting our focus from that which is spiritual, uh, sorry, from that which is uh, physical and practical to that which is uh, eternal and spiritual. Uh, that was the, the, the aim of John 16, to shift our focus to the, to the one, to the Holy Spirit, to the one who points us to Jesus, the spirit of truth, the one who, um, uh, who, who diligently uh, enables us and empowers us uh, to operate by kingdom uh, principles. He's teaching us to be uh, a follower of Jesus, yeah? To, to be one who is in this world, absolutely, but not of it. And that's, uh, that's what Jesus taught us last week. And in John 17, in John 17, Jesus switches, right? He's, he's now switching from speaking to his disciples. In John 17, he was speaking directly to his disciples. And in John 17, uh, he's speaking instead to the Father. He's speaking to God the Father. He's communicated with us now, uh, sorry, last week. And, and, and this week, we read as he communicates with the Father and he prays to the Father on our behalf. And there is a key principle in here uh, that I'd just like to highlight before we, we get into the text. See, we're a church that disciples each other, aren't we? Yeah? And, uh, and, and as, we, as we go and as we, as we continue to, uh, to develop in our church and on our church uh, journey that God has for us, uh, we're going to, uh, we, we need to, to, uh, to put considerable focus into discipleship. And it's, uh, it's something that we're going to be looking at uh, in, 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 in great detail uh, next year, uh, in fact. But we're a church that disciples one another, that builds one another up, that encourages one another, emulating Christ, emulating Christ uh, as we see his example for how to disciple. Yeah? Is that good? We emulate Christ. Uh, and so let us learn this. Let us learn this key principle here. Jesus uh, was teaching us last week and this week he's praying for us. This week he's praying for us. See, discipleship absolutely requires teaching. Yeah, when we're discipling one another, we absolutely need to teach one another to open the word uh, together and study and teach one another. That's absolutely uh, part of discipleship. Discipleship also requires correction in in a loving way, in in a way that seeks to uh, to help us uh, each one another on our on our path, on our journey with God to come more into alignment with the life that God has for us. That requires correction sometimes. Yeah, Amen. 
Yeah? Discipleship absolutely requires correction. But discipleship also absolutely requires prayer. It absolutely requires prayer. We must pray for those that we are discipling. Just as Jesus disciples his disciples and then prays for them. Prayer is an absolutely fundamental part of discipleship. We cannot be uh, discipling others uh, unless we're praying for them. That just doesn't work. That's just not how, how it works uh, at all. And one of the best things about being a Christian, one of the best things uh, about, uh, about this life here that we're living is that Jesus said that he will pray for us. He said that he will pray for us. The Bible tells us often that he will pray for us. Uh, many times in the Bible, in fact, I've got some verses here. In Romans 8.34, we read, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding, that means praying on our behalf, for us. In 1 John 2, uh, my dear children, I write this uh, to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Advocate, somebody who advocates, somebody who, who, who represents us uh, to the Father, who stands there on our behalf, who advocates for us, who prays for us. In Hebrews 7, we read, Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Again, intercede, to pray on behalf of, to pray for. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah? That Jesus prays for us. There is power in prayer, is there not? There is power in prayer, and we're a church that prays. We're a church that prays. Even, uh, even just yesterday, uh, a number from the church gathered together uh, to pray for a particular situation uh, that we firmly believe that we will see uh, a, a, a miracle occurring because we're a church that prays. The door is open to the throne room of God, is it not, uh, to hear our prayer. And prayer is a wonderful exchange with God, isn't it? It's not just us giving our wish list to him. Hey, Lord, uh, it'd be great if you could fix this in my life or, or can, you, can you sort this one out for me? Uh, but it's an exchange. We're also hearing from God, aren't we? We're hearing from God. Prayer is mighty and it is powerful. It's not some second-rate uh, form of communication where we're sort of just throwing words off into the ether and hoping that somebody's there to catch them. Do you know how I know? Because of John 17, because Jesus himself prays. Jesus himself prays to the Father and he prays on our behalf. Prayer is powerful and, uh, and it's kind of like an underlining uh, theme for, uh, uh, for this week. Now, we're reading John 17. My sleeves keep slipping down. It's unhelpful. Uh, we're reading John 17 in the context of John 16. I've just, uh, just said that. Uh, and, uh, and Jesus is telling us in John 16, isn't he, that we're, we're living here. We all know that. We can all experience that. That's real to us, yeah? We're, we're living here right now. We can all testify uh, to that. Uh, and that we will face real trouble and real grief in this world. We can testify. Uh, and, uh, and that we will receive peace uh, as well, the peace of God. Uh, we can testify. Yeah, uh, so we, can, we, we know all of John 16. Uh, that's kind of the context. But here's the update. Here's the update uh, that we read in John 17. 
We are not left here on earth. This is really important for us to understand. We are not left here on earth until Jesus returns uh, or, or we're taking up to heaven uh, upon our earthly death. We are not left here, right? Being left here would imply that Jesus forgot or that perhaps he didn't feel like taking us with him uh, when he rose to heaven. Uh, or that perhaps we have no purpose here on earth. These would be the connotations for if we were just left here, wouldn't they? Yeah? Does that make sense? We were not left here, but rather we are sent here. There is intention here. This is super, super key. And, uh, and as we read John 17, I just want to give a little bit of context to the whole chapter. Right? So I'm just going to jump forward to verse 15. And give some context to this whole chapter, and then we'll come back. It says this, Jesus, my prayer to the Father is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We are not merely left for later. We are sent for purpose. This is really, really important. We were not taken into heaven uh, with Jesus as he went. We already know that he's preparing a way for us, don't we? Yeah, we read that in John 14, that he's preparing a place in heaven for us. But us being here right now uh, uh, on earth, it's not an accident or an oversight. Uh, instead, it's an, intention, an intentional decision by God. And so, as we go through John 17, which we will get to any minute now, I promise. <laughs> uh, I've jotted down five things. I've jotted down five things uh, that we can learn about ourselves as we are sent. Now, I often say this, and this is really key. Let me just preface this. The Bible is not about us, right? It's not about us. It's not a, uh, a, a hand, handbook for, for life. That's not what it is. I know there's that whole thing, Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. It, it's not a life advice book. Um, as, as much as some churches like to sort of proclaim that it is. It is a story and a history of God. It's all about God and it points to Jesus. Uh, however, we can learn things from it and we can learn things about ourselves from it and our relationship with God from it. Its purpose is that explanation of, uh, of the relationship between God and humanity. Yeah, does that make sense? Good. Happy. Great. So I've jotted down five things that we can learn about ourselves in our sent nature uh, from God as we go. And we'll also see five key relationships uh, explained as well as we go. Yeah? So we're sent. Uh, we're sent. And, uh, and we need to know this, that the chapter that we're reading, John 17, is all about us. Uh, it's all about us being sent. In Luke 6, <laughs> I thought we were in John 17. We are. We'll get there. Uh, in Luke 6, Jesus says this. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also designated as apostles. And I just want to highlight this for us. Okay? It's all context. This is all context. This is 10 minutes and 30 seconds worth of context. Okay? Right. Uh, so I just want to highlight, highlight what this is, right? Because we're talking in John 17 about being sent. I just want to highlight this word here. 
apostle. Because Jesus, when he chose his 12 disciples, when he chose his 12 apostles to be, uh, to be sent right then and there uh, and to go and, and, and do what they do, we are sent in the same manner, right? We are all sent. And we're learning this in John 17 as we go, as I promise we'll get there. But this word apostle means one who is sent. It means one who is sent, sent to be a messenger of Christ. The Greek word for apostle is apostello. Say apostello. Apostello. You're learning Greek in this place this morning. Wow. Uh, the, uh, the Greek is apostello, which means sent out. That's the root of the word. And so just in case there is any confusion uh, in this place uh, this morning, I want us to know this, that we are all apostles of Christ. Did you know that? We are all apostles of Christ. We are all sent out uh, to be messengers of Christ. It's not a title that it is reserved for some ultra holy uh, church leaders or the, or the people with the plan uh, or anything like that. Uh, it means sent and we are all sent uh, by Christ uh, to be his messengers on earth as, uh, and, and prayed for by him as we'll read in John 17 in any, any second now, I promise. Uh, but, uh, but we are sent by Christ. We are all apostles of Jesus Christ. How good? Let's begin. After Jesus said this, so after John 16, he looked up towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The first thing that, uh, that I believe God spoke to me as I was reading this chapter, the first thing that I, uh, that I jotted down uh, in the car uh, was this, that we are sent packing right? We're sent packing. We're sent uh, with everything that we need. We're sent packed uh, with everything that we need to go about what it is that Jesus has for us to do. We are, uh, we are sent with the knowledge and with the, and with the comfort and the joy of this assured eternal life. We are sent with assured eternal life. We're sent with the knowledge uh, of what we already have, that we will be spared the wrath of God because of our sin, that we will be spared. The Bible says, does it not, that the wages of sin is death, yeah? Uh, and uh, in our nature, we're all sinners, not one of us is not. Uh, but, uh, but by Jesus and by the, by the price paid on the, on the cross uh, and our faith in that, uh, we can all rest assured and have joy and have comfort uh, that our eternal life uh, and our salvation is assured. And so we're sent with everything that we need uh, to know. We know that whatever happens, however bad it gets, whatever the situation or the circumstance that we might face here on this earth, in this world, in this time, we know that our eternity is assured. We're not sent with confusion. Uh, we're not sent with un uncertainty about the nature of our eternity. We're not sent with any of this. Instead, we are sent out, packed up with assured knowledge of our future. How awesome is that? How much of a comfort is that? And not only that, but we know that uh, from previous chapters uh, that we've been sent with the Holy Spirit. Yeah? The mission that we're on is, is tricky, it's difficult, it's, it's going to have challenges, it's going to have troubles, uh, everything, everything that, that we're doing, everything that Jesus is asking of us. And so he sends us with the Holy Spirit that we're not left alone to do our own thing. And we've also been sent with the word of God, 
with the Bible, the text that is alive and living. Second Peter uh, 1.3 says, His divine power has given everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We have everything we need. We are sent packing. Yeah? It's good. It's good. And, uh, and, and we also see in this, uh, in this uh, short passage here, we see this relationship between the father and the son. The relationship that is one of honor and glory towards one another. The father glorifies the son. The son glorifies the father. There is no hierarchy in the Trinity. There, is, there are roles within the Trinity, absolutely. And, 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 and different members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they do different things. And they have different, uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps areas, if you like. Uh, but there is no hierarchy in the Trinity. The Father glorifies the Son. The Son glorifies the Father. Happy? Great. From verse 9 then, we read this. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and all uh, and glory has come to me through them. And so next, uh, the next thing that I jotted down as I was reading John 17 is this, that we are sent in prayer. We're sent in prayer. Jesus prays for us. He's not praying for the world. Did you notice that? He's not praying for the world. He tells us that. You might not like that necessarily. That Jesus doesn't pray for those that deny him. But that's the reality of the situation. Uh, We have read in John already that Jesus has a deep care and a deep love for those that follow him. For those that accept his truths and accept who he is. John 10 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Following Jesus has this cost attached to it, doesn't it, that we spoke about last week. Remember that? Yeah, it was difficult to read, wasn't it? It was, uh, it was difficult to, uh, to accept and, and to understand. And yet it was somehow reassuring, wasn't it? Because we could resonate with it, yeah? Because we know when Jesus says you'll face troubles, we can say, amen, I'm experiencing that. And we know that when Jesus says you will experience grief, we can say, yes, I know that. I've got that in my life right now. But therefore, we know that when Jesus says, your grief will turn to joy, we can say, well, okay, I understand that. And I'm going I'm to take that in faith. And so it was, uh, it was difficult to read, but it was, it was reassuring to know, in, in a sense, that there is a cost that is uh, attributed to, uh, to, to being a follower of, of Jesus Christ. But we are given the intercession of Jesus. We are given the intercession of Jesus. He prays for us on our behalf. In those times where we're unable to lift up our own prayers, perhaps. When our weakness is too great. Or when our faith is too shallow. We can rest in the knowledge that Jesus is praying for us, is interceding on our behalf. Which is awesome. Which is awesome. And we see the second relationship as well in this, uh, in this passage right here. We see the relationship of the Son to believers. 
We see that Jesus is praying for us and we see uh, the devotion that he has for us and we see love exampled in this, uh, in, this, in this moment here. We see that shepherd and sheep relationship, don't we? The one of the caring shepherd who, who, who is devoted uh, to his sheep. But we also see, don't we, our part of it. We see what our part to play in this is when Jesus says, glory has come to me through them. And when we see our part, our part of this relationship is to glorify Jesus, is to bring glory to Jesus. Uh, is that okay? Yeah, how, how do we do that? Perhaps in worship? Perhaps in, in serving at church? Perhaps in, in tithing? Yeah, all those things, absolutely. But, but more than that, but more than that, church. 1 Corinthians 10 says, uh, Paul says, um, uh, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all, everything, all for the glory of God in everything we do, in whatever we do. Tim Hughes has a song. I like Tim Hughes. Tim Hughes, I can't get enough of Tim Hughes. Anyone like Tim Hughes? Happy day. It will never, ever go out of style, Ollie. I love Tim Hughes. But he's got a different song, and uh, and I love I love some of these lyrics. These were these were some. I, I remember praying these lyrics to this to this song uh, several times. Actually, he says this: "Take my life, let it be everything, all of me. Here I am, use me for your glory. In everything I say and do, let my life honor you." This is the relationship of the son to believers, that our life is here to glorify him, to bring glory to the son. Yeah? Not just on a Sunday, but our entire lives, whatever we do, we bring glory to him. Let's continue. From verse 11. I will remain in the world no longer, but they, that says, are still in the world. I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave to me, so that they may be as one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name that you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. It's Judas. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may... Uh, have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you will protect them from the evil one. When Jesus sends us, he doesn't just send us bare. He doesn't just send us with uh, empty. He doesn't send us uh, with, without protection. He sends us protected. Jesus calls down the protection from the Father in heaven on each of us. And by what? By the power of the name. See, those that oppose us, those that oppose us, right, the enemy, the, 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 the devil, Satan, whatever, whatever you want to call him, uh, his demons that, uh, that are about as well, uh, fallen angels, uh, the effects of demons, the effects of the fall and all evil. Did you know that these things are more powerful than us? They are more powerful than us. But they are not more powerful than God. They are not more powerful than God and they fear Jesus. Oh, they fear Jesus. Uh, the presence of Jesus causes demons a great level of discomfort and distress because they know they're out of their depth. 
They know they are out of their depth. In the account, I don't know if you remember, where Jesus encounters a demon-possessed man. Do you remember this? Yeah, the book of uh, Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8. When Jesus enters the scene, the demons, what's their response? They say this, what do you want with us, son of God? Number one, demons know who Jesus is. Oh, they know who Jesus is. They are not ill-informed about the, uh, the identity of Jesus. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? They know their beat. They know there's an appointed time. They know it's coming. The, uh, the, the demons here, they know that Jesus is more powerful than they are. Uh, our protection comes from the Lord God Almighty and his presence alone is enough to cause demons to fear. And his presence is in us. How good is that? So good. And I also just want to highlight this as well, this uh, full measure of joy. This, uh, this kind of popped out. Popped out to me as I was reading. Jesus prays that we might have a full measure of joy. Here's a principle. There are no half measures with Jesus. There is no such thing as half salvation. Uh, we, cannot, we cannot experience half of eternal life. Our peace is not subject to half. Our joy is not divided either. Joy is not happiness. It's a deeper spiritual contentedness that we experience from God. And Jesus came that we might have a full measure of it. And so let me, uh, let, me, let me tell you this. If you're here this morning and you're not experiencing a full measure of joy, I want you to know that you are currently being robbed. The enemy is robbing you of the joy that Jesus died to give you. And, uh, and we, need to, we need to pray into this because this is not uh, what Jesus died for. And uh, the enemy has no right to steal from you the joy that the Lord came to give you. And, uh, and, so, uh, and so we'll pray into this because Jesus says that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, doesn't it? To steal. He's there to steal. He wants to steal from you. He wants to steal your joy. Uh, but Jesus came that we might have life and life in all of its fullness. And so, Lord, if there are any of my brothers and sisters in this place this morning that are not currently experiencing a full measure of your heavenly joy, uh, the joy that is our strength, Lord, if there are any in here in this place, that are not experiencing the contentedness from heaven. And instead, that, that, that joy is being robbed by our enemy. Uh, Lord, we just, we just pray and we ask. We speak out against, uh, against theft. We speak out against theft of joy in this place this morning. Lord, and we call down this joy that you, uh, that you came for, is that we would all experience, as you prayed in John 17, that we would all experience a full measure of joy in this place, Lord, this morning. And that we will go out from this place experiencing your full joy, the full measure of joy that you came to give us. Amen. Amen. We also see relationship number three, don't we? The third relationship, the relationship between us as believers and the fallen world. Because we're in it, but we're not of it. Yeah? Jesus said that. Uh, we must contend with it. The prince of the world, the prince of this world, the enemy we know, doesn't like us doesn't like us at all. And he will do anything he can to discourage us. But we must stay here for now, even though we are not uh, of it eternally. But because of what we face, Jesus prays that we would be protected from it. 
because what we face in this in this world, because of, of the various uh, things uh, that go on, uh, the various uh, schemes of perhaps the enemy that uh, that may come our way, um, Jesus protects us from that. Don't we read in, uh, I think it's Ephesians somewhere, uh, that our battle, the battle that we face is not against flesh and blood, but rather it's against uh, powers and principalities in the heavenly realm. And so Jesus uh, prays and he protects us uh, in prayer uh, from this. And so this relationship of us into the world, uh, we don't belong here. Uh, the enemy of this world doesn't particularly like us and will try and cause us uh, uh, to stumble. Uh, but Jesus prays for our protection. Amen. <clears throat> yeah. uh, great. So from verse 20 then, we read this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. So this, at this point, we get to understand, okay, what it is that we're actually sent for. Uh, because uh, because we know that we're sent and we know that we're sent, uh, protected uh, and prepared uh, and, uh, and and prayed for, uh, but uh, but what are we actually sent to do? Now we're not quite at the Great Commission yet. Uh, we read the Great Commission when uh, when Jesus uh, returns uh, after after his death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, so we'll read that later. Uh, but Jesus preempts what he's going to ask of us. Uh, we are sent so that the world might see that the Father sent the Son. That is why uh, we are sent. That is why we are sent. We are sent to proclaim John 3.16, ultimately. That is why we're here. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. We are sent to testify about Jesus, just as the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. And, and this, this church is, 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 a, is just as incredible as it is difficult to grasp. Um, because here's, here's the thing. <laughs> if, uh, if you're in this place this morning and you are a follower of Jesus uh, and you call Jesus your Lord and your Savior, <clears throat> the reality is, is that your life is not about you. And that's difficult to hear, isn't it? Because that's not what the world teaches us. But your life is not about you. Your life is about his life and his death and his resurrection. See, all our other stuff, our job, our family, our, our hobbies, our, even our church, all of these things are secondary to the mission set before you to proclaim Jesus. I'll let that one, let that one rest a little bit. And then we also see uh, this fourth relationship, the relationship of the Father to new believers. See, Jesus expresses a great intent here. And he prophesies as well, doesn't he, that there will be new believers, yeah? That there will be new people. Uh, it won't just stay with these disciples, with these 12 people that he's speaking to uh, right here and now, uh, but rather, uh, rather that it will grow. Uh, and, and additionally, uh, it, won't just, it won't just stay with, with us people that are here in this room, here and now, but rather that it will grow. And so let us pray for those who, come, who will come to know Jesus.
and accept. His truth. <clears throat> Shall I start again? <laughs> and we know, we know this is true already, don't we? We, we? we know that there is truth. We know that there will be new believers from, from this point particularly uh, as Jesus is praying. The fact that we are here today in this room is evidence of Jesus' word, is uh, fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy and his answer to Jesus' prayer in John 17, that there will be new believers. The fact that we are here is an answer of this prayer. But this is a continuous prayer for those that will believe that are yet to come. And his intent is clear. Jesus is adamant about praying for those who are yet to come to know him. And he intends for there to be many, many more. This is, this is the heart of God. This is the heart of Jesus. Uh, it says in, in Second Peter, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but listen, all to come to repentance. That's the heart of God. That's the Father heart of God. Finally then, finally then, uh, from verse 24, Jesus says this. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them. And I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. And so finally we see that we are preceded by Jesus. Even before the creation of the world, this plan was in place. And Jesus speaks of a time outside of what we know as time. Yeah, we know time because we, we kind of operate uh, by it. Um, but, uh, but Jesus speaks of a time outside of our time. There is a plan. There has always been a plan to make up for the fallen nature of man, to make up for the decisions that we would make, to make up uh, for, for the sin that we would become embroiled in. And we are sent as part of this plan that precedes creation. And this is important to know. It's important to know about, not necessarily to understand, but certainly to know about the eternal uh, nature of the plan in which we are a part. First Peter 1. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. This whole plan is far bigger than we can possibly imagine. Its foundations were laid before the creation of the world and its full completion will be displayed after the destruction of the world. It's kind of like the plans, like a big old timeline and our, the timeline of our world is, is kind of in the middle. But the plan far exceeds 
on either end. But you were put here to be a part of it. You were put here to be a part of it. And this is awesome. This is awesome. And finally, we see this fifth relationship. The relationship between the believers and the Father. We see this. We see, we see a, little, a little glimpse. A little glimpse of the relationship between the believer and the Father. And it's contrasted with the non-believer. The world does not know you. The world doesn't recognize its own creator, church. And this isn't new. It's not a 21st century atheistic idea. It's not new. It was known by Jesus 2,000 years ago. And even precedes that. The creation would deny its own creator. But for the believer... Jesus says, I have made you known to them and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. This is awesome. The perfect love that exists between the Father and the Son. Real love. Real love. Greek word is agape. It means unconditional love. Not some twisted and perverse uh, love uh, that, that we might call love these days, but the true love of God. The love that exists in the Trinity. I think that's awesome. The true picture of true love exists in you and in me. And not only this, but Jesus Christ is in us. And so we take Jesus wherever we go. We take Jesus wherever we go. I think uh, John 17 is uh, is is a really I appreciate John 17. I appreciate that it comes after John 16 because John 16, uh, like like we've said, can be a little bit tricky to accept, can't it? When we're told about these troubles and this grief, but John 17 gives us a a, a reassuring comfort that we know that Jesus is praying for us on our behalf. That he sends us, but he doesn't send us unprepared. He doesn't send us by ourselves, but he sends us with intention. He sends us for purpose. He sends us prayed in prayer. He sends us for the mission that we're on, that our lives will be about glorifying him, bringing glory to him, being his messengers in this world, specifically for us in Newark, that more people would come to know him, that we would display, and we, uh, sorry, we would point to his glory, and that more people would come to know him, and that we would see more people in heaven as a result. That's why we're here, church. That's the job. That's the mission. That's the mission. It's tricky. It's going to be tricky. But we're on the side of Jesus. We're on the winning team. Hey. Shall we worship? Amen. That's all for now. We pray that you heard something that brought life to you today so that you may go and be the person that God called you to be. God bless you.